we live in the sports world, we know what training means, right? We're good at training this physical body. Right. If we can get in the habit of teaching them to put God first, then hopefully that'll translate into them later on. For all our sports fans out there, and maybe even those of us who aren't sports fanatics, I'm sure you're familiar with Steph Curry, right? Either because he's the NBA's most recent champion or because he's on those Subway commercials. Yeah. (laughs) Well, today's conversation is so fun. We got the opportunity to sit down with Sonia Curry, so that's Steph Curry's mom, and talk to her about her newest book, Fierce Love, a memoir of family, faith, and purpose. For the first time, Sonia's sharing her story about her defeats and her hard-fought victories and how her connection to God and faith has been the thread holding it all together. There's something for everyone in this podcast, whether you're a sports fan or not. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Sonia Curry. Well, Sonia, welcome to the conversation this morning. Thank you, Sam, for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So uh, lots of things and lots of experiences you've had in your life. More of recent, you've become an author, right? You, so you, you wrote a book, Fierce Love. Yes. Yes. Uh, so what motivates you? So you, you get pretty transparent and, and open your heart and open your life to the world through this book. What motivates you to, to write it and to be vulnerable and to share your, your story? Excuse me one second, because I kind of got to compose myself. I don't know. When you started with the prayer and everything, I just woke up this morning and was like, I hope we get to start with prayer because <laughs> some other interviews, well, most of the other interviews I had, I haven't been able to do that with mm. the host or the interviewer. So I really wanted to say to you, thank you, Stan, because I really do appreciate that because it is really about God and what he wants and the purpose for all of this and my message. So, uh, but back to your question of really what motivated me to do this book is just, you know, especially when I guess when Stefan first started kind of making Uh, his imprint on the NBA and um, the success of his teams that he's been on. Um, And then came my second son who then, you know, came into the NBA and, you know, people are just nice and they're like, how did you do that? You know, they're not just good basketball players. They're just great people. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you need to write a book. You need to write a book about, you know, how to raise such great uh, kids and successful kids. And, you know, at first I'm thinking, Really? Like, (laughs) you know, I just raised them. I didn't really think about it very much. I I just got up every day and just gave it all that I had. And then, you know, as the years progressed, I kept hearing it more and more. And then I just started hearing a voice inside of me that said, you're going to write a book. And I'm like, I don't even like writing. Like, (laughs) English was never, I mean, I really have a phobia for writing. So I was just like, you know what, Lord? Okay. And then probably about five years ago, um, maybe six, I lose a few, uh, some time with COVID. Uh, but it was like, you know what, I know what this book is going to be. Like, I kind of thought I had a title, which it was not fierce love. And, um, I was like, it's going to be about the hand of God in raising my children, but through them getting through college and how they chose their colleges. So then three years ago, God was like, 
it's time. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, And I, in my book, I talk about going on a retreat. um, And that's kind of when God started telling me what my next purpose was going to be after, you know, running my school and uh, deciding to retire from running the school. And, um, and then three years ago, one door after another opened, I had book uh, agent say, Hey, you ever thought about writing a book? And I was like, well, actually, yes. <laughs> and then he's like, let's find you a ghostwriter and quickly found a ghostwriter. And the next thing you know, we're writing this book. Next thing you know, we've got nine offers to publish it. And I really did absolutely nothing other than talk and edit is all I did in this process. And so you know, it's definitely a God thing. God definitely wanted this book out there. Yeah, that's a great process. It reminds me, uh, I went on a fishing trip a number of years ago with a friend of mine, and we had a guide, <laughs> and they knew where to go. They baited the hook. They took the fish off the hook. They cleaned it and cooked it afterwards. <laughs> so, exactly. Kind of sounds, <laughs> sounds like your experience with writing a book. That's awesome. It's <laughs> good. So one of the things that you talk about, because again, we, we love to, to just kind of connect with those that we have on the morning conversation just on their own personal faith journey on the front end and get to know them as sisters in Christ. And so you write about attending church as a young person growing up in your parents' home and kind of went through classes at your church and 12 years old, time to get baptized. And Sonia says, mm, nope, not, not not ready to and interested in getting baptized after going, going through that. So what kind of what was going in through your head? What was going on in your heart at that point in your life? A lot of times 12 year olds are just kind of falling in line doing what they're supposed to do. And Sonia's going, mm, no. So yeah, I'd love to hear about that. I'm a very kind of cerebral person. Like my friends call me Buffy because they say everything that comes in, you could ask me, is the sky blue? And I'm going to pause for a minute and I'm going to look around and process a very process oriented person. And so um, going through that experience, you know, I went to class and I love school. And I was like, this part's fun. Gave me something to do. I was plugged into, a, you know, a community with, you know, other little teenagers uh, and ended with going to get baptized in a river uh, in my city in Rafford in the New River. And I just started thinking about that. And I was like, if I do this, then it means it means something like it means I have to follow through. And then in my mind, it was more about, you know, the works thing, you know, and scripture talks about faith and works and how you have to have both. Right. But at 12 years of age, I'm thinking you're asking me to do something and then I have to follow up with it and be obedient because I was a very obedient person, a child. And it was like, but what if I don't want to do all the things you're telling me because what back then you know i was raised in the church you could do whatever you want to do on saturday monday through saturday month sunday morning you're going to church according to granny evelyn so that was no question um and even through your adulthood that was going to happen so you know just the routine of religion and going to church uh, i i had that part what I didn't have was a personal relationship um, with God. Didn't even know what that was and just felt like, OK, I can't go to parties. I, can't, I mean, and, and I'm just being real with everyone. I couldn't go to parties. You know, I can't like have fun. What it translated to me was I had to give up the world. That's what I was hearing. Take up the cross of Christ and be boring. <laughs> and I was like, uh, 
not ready for that. Uh, because my love language is love, is laughter and just joy and um, fellowship. And so for some reason, that didn't translate to me with getting baptized. Um, and so decided, no, I'm not ready for that. So, you know, then making the choice of, okay, what does this actually mean to me being saved, being baptized? Just, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I didn't understand it. Didn't make sense. Again, as I was saying, a lot of times 12 year olds just kind of do what's kind of expected. So, but probably what puts you in the best position to come into an authentic faith is to not do that. So I think it's awesome. So talk to us, uh, Sonia, about uh, when when did that change for you? When when did you get to that place where that 12-year-old, hey, I don't know, I want to do this. I got things I want to kind of experience still in life. When did that change into, yeah, God's real, Jesus is real, he died for me, and man, I want to make him Lord of my life? Um, I think that came, well, I know for a fact, that came after I had had all my children. So it was about 90 Lord, Stan, I'm not in the nineties. I'll say that. And I'd had all of my, I'd had all of my children and, you know, I'd gone to college. I hadn't really, you know, worked on my spiritual life. I didn't attend church for my uh, four years in college and then, you know, moved to Charlotte and started our family with Dell and kept being drawn back to church just because the habit of church on Sunday and, you know, one and missing the word. Like I miss somebody speaking that word word to me. Um, and so I'd go every Sunday with or without Dale, take the kids because he would travel a lot mm. uh, with the team, but was in the world. I mean, to be quite frank, going out, partying, uh, having fun and trying to raise three kids. And at one point, you know, making some very questionable decisions in my life and was like, this just can't continue because if I continue down this path, then I could just see the destruction of my family, mm. uh, and which was very very important to me, mm. just raising my kids in a healthy household and giving them stability. And so one day I was at church and I was just like, Lord, the pastor, you know, is speaking and giving the sermon. And, you know, it's one of those sermons where you're like, why is he staring at me when he's really not? I'm in the back of the church. <laughs> he can't probably see me. But it's like this message is directed. I mean, told straight to me. Mm. And he was just like, if you're tired of doing the same old stuff, try Jesus. Just try. Like, just try. And I just couldn't not move. I just got up, went to the front of the church, went to the altar. And that was the moment where it was like, it's got to be something better than what I'm doing, than what the world's offering me. And uh, I mean, the spirit just took over my life. And it was just like, um, I don't even want that stuff anymore. Like it's not even appealing to me. And then it just got me focused. It got me focused on reading the word more, doing my devotions. And then that changed me. And that just made my home a whole lot better. And I began to walk that testimony in front of my children. Talk about uh, what the people around you saw. So you, you were a woman who was not walking with God, kind of chasing after the world, like you said, and consumed with a lot of different things. And you make this shift and you give commit your life to Christ. Things change from the inside out, right? So what did the, what kind of feedback did you get from your friends, family? What did they see from a, as a difference yeah, in your life? Well, I wasn't going out as much. So some of the friends that I had, um, they were like, okay, well, well, 
all right, well, that's great. Good for you. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you stop getting those phone calls that you used to get to participate in, not only just going out, but other things too. Um, you know, you got some things from comments from your family. Uh, wow, that's great. But okay, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, oh, okay, don't do that in front of Sonia, you know, those kinds of things. So you had some of that negative stuff that happened, but you also had, I also had great things like, other people started coming into my life, you know, prayer warriors came another whole total different uh, set of people. And, um, you know, they could see something different. They were just like, you have something and don't put it under the bushel. Don't hide it under the bushel, you know, you know, share it, Sonia. Um, and, um, so they definitely saw, a different Sonia. I was still the fun kind of Sonia, but I was a more focused and I was more sure in who I was and what I was living for. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And so to some people that was a little intimidating and for some people that was inspirational and, and motivating for them. God is always at work among us. John in Scotts Bluff thought he wanted to serve on the mission field until he went to Bible college. The combo of lack of study skills, my independence, and a really strict Bible college was not a good combination for me. And I really was in a spot of, if this is Christianity, I don't want any part of it. So John remained pretty unconcerned about faith as he pursued a corporate career. I started getting promoted, started to make lots of money. We were just really empty. We had lots of things and there was just a deep level of dissatisfaction. Around that same time, the woman who was providing daycare for their children invited them to her church. We just heard the compelling gospel message. We got to a point where we couldn't avoid it. We knew we weren't satisfied, and now we're hearing this thing, and it was causing all sorts of turmoil, and I would say that's conviction. That conviction, that awareness of his sin before a perfect God, led John and his wife to take the steps of repentance and saving faith. The only way to deal with that conviction was to submit it to Christ. And I've come to understand that ultimately what God wants with me is a relationship. God is on the move, drawing each of us, like John, into a relationship offered to us through saving faith. MyBridge Radio, celebrating God at work among us. Share your story and join the conversation in the Connect Now section at MyBridgeRadio.net. You know, Sonia, I was a uh, youth pastor for a number of years, and uh, I remember at times, and I, you know, I played college ball, D1 school, uh, football, and, uh, it, it, you know, so I, I knew the, the really, even the positive, the impact that sports could have, all that kind of stuff, right? But I know it, there are times that, as a youth pastor, I was, I would challenge some athletic youth to make some choices along the way that would, you know, allow them to grow in their faith, to have an experience in the spiritual world and through, you know, a retreat or a conference. And if it conflicted with something that was going on in their sports world, it surprised me at how much the parents sometimes were resistive of that. And again, I don't think it's an either or thing for me. It's not like, well, to be spiritual, you no, no, I, I think God gives you athletic ability and God's with you in the midst of it. So I don't, I don't create some dichotomy. Uh, but I do think there are times when that there's a choices that get made that 
the sports lose and God purely God wins. So I, you've got a couple stories in your in your book that I, I loved in raising uh, your two boys specifically, where uh, you know they were you were going after something more important in their life than their athletic career, you're going after their character. And I, I so appreciate that. I'd love for you to share at least one of those stories. One of those stories, I don't know why this one comes to mind, but was when I talk about how they wanted to go, they couldn't date until they were 16, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so one of the reasons for that was, um, you know, I just felt like by that time, they have been able to practice and work on putting God first family second. And then if they could do that, then they show that they were responsible for someone else. And so that's how I explain that to them. Like, if you can take care of yourself, your spiritual well-being and all of that, and then you can do your chores at home as well, then, okay, we can talk about having a girlfriend because this isn't about you going through without a lack of a better way of putting this, going through women to find your person and just using them. No, you're going to know yourself so well that you can identify the people who are like-minded and, you know, you may not get it right the first time, whatever, but you're not going to just be dating to be dating because they're people too and they need to be valued. So I wanted to make sure that their character and who they, and who they were sounding, who pretty much, you know, being high school students, we're still right. <laughs> working on that, but, um, but to be, have that seed planted in their mind. So, you know, and not allowing them to, you know, go to um, prom or a dance with one of uh, a young lady who I felt at the time decisions were questionable was that I wanted them to understand that character meant a lot. Uh, And then, you know, one of the other infamous ones that people like to comment was just about, you know, you didn't do your chores at home. So no, you're not going to go to basketball practice and or play in this game. And then coach is like, the coach calls me and is like, are you serious? You're not going to let him play? Like he's our best player. And I'm like, sorry, coach, it hurts. You know, your parents used to say it hurts me more than it hurts them. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually said, that. I was like, oh my gosh, those are the words that my mom used to say. Um, but it was like, no, because th- he needs to learn it now that these things are more important. Family's more important than the sport. And you know what? He's got to learn that if they don't win the game, he did let his teammates down. So take care of what you need to take care of first so that you can take care of your other commitments and your teammates. And then everybody's good. Yeah. And so and now that was know, with Steph, right? That was with Steph. Yeah. Yes. So Stephon Curry, like he's, he's missing a game because <laughs> he didn't get his chores done. I loved that story because it says a lot about, uh, about you and about your value system and about character and about what character is worth, right? What are you willing to exchange for character? And, and you're like, no, we, your team can lose his basketball game and you can miss, but we're going to teach you about something that's far more important. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. That's so good. It's awesome. So, Sonia, I'd love to hear a little bit about, again, about how your faith translated into specifically your boys as far as times with them and the word. Was that something that you guys did as a family? Like, what did it look like for you to 
to really try to transfer your faith into the into the lives of, of your boys? You know what I stand, I really just use the scripture train child in the way that they should go. Mm. And because we live in the sports world, we know what training means, right? So we're we're good at training this physical body. Right. And to some degree and also the, the mental part of who we are, because you got to be mentally strong. And I wanted to just focus and make sure that there was a deliberate and intentional focus on our spiritual training. And so going to church, you know, going to church on Sunday, going to church on Wednesday. So there were no activities. They didn't participate in activities on Wednesday nights. Thank goodness we went to a school that didn't hold any sports events on Wednesdays. Uh, so they could go to church. But if there was something else going on, AAU practice or something, they went to church uh, to get them used to that feeling mm-hmm. of ridicule from other people, of mi- or feeling like they're missing out, they're standing out. What does that feel like to stand apart uh, from everyone else? So training them in that, we would get up uh, during the school year, especially before school at six o'clock in the morning, and we would just read a chapter every morning and then ask anybody if they had any comments or anything. And then we would just pray and then they go to school. And most of the time, nobody, of course, nobody wanted to have any questions because as you can tell, I love to talk. So they're like, don't get mommy started. <laughs> we got it. We read it. And then let's pray quickly. And then let's eat. And then they had to get off to school. And there were many times where they were begrudgingly coming downstairs. Uh, and even for me, it was like, oh, that alarm went off. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like if, if we can get in the habit of teaching them to put God first mm-hmm. and get that word in in the morning, mm-hmm. um, then hopefully that'll translate into them later on. So yeah, there was some deliberate training happening. And I know that may sound cold to some people, but that's what I knew to do or had in my heart to do. Some days, folding those tiny baby clothes reminds you of when your child was a dream you weren't sure would ever come true. Other days, you can't believe how many loads of laundry a tiny human can produce. For those days, make sure you get connected to help you shift your perspective. Shift your perspective. Download the MyBridge Radio app. Press play. Simple. So, Sonia, is uh, I think about uh, again this kind of the story behind the scenes, right? I'd love to hear a time that maybe as you've walked with your two boys through their NBA career, what's a time that like you saw God in the midst of what was going on? Like, so, so the world saw whatever was going on in the court and wins and losses and all that stuff, but uh, you were seeing God at work in a in a unique way. You know, I would have to kind of go back to the original purpose of the book is watching God's hand work in my children's individual lives and the direction God was taking them, including locations that they were taking them. Um, And like starting with Stefan of his last year in college, he came out to play against uh, St. Mary's, which is in Walnut Creek. We never, I never knew anything about that area, San Francisco. So he plays there. That's his last college 
came and he's ends up in the area that he's going to get drafted and live in the next in the next few months. And so it's like, okay, he's drafted by Golden State, didn't think he's going to go there. And I'm like, where's Golden State land out there? And I'm like, hold up. We were just here four months ago. Still didn't know, you know, what's going on. So watching God do that, watching God, um, you know, navigate, you know, my other son's career with you know, his injuries to ended up in Golden State uh, Warriors uh, training um, G League team and, you know, being out there and being with his brother to have some support, but also, uh, you know, just getting through the injuries. And so, you know, just watching how God is just ordainedly and and we're praying this thing up. God, close all the doors you don't want them to go through and open up the one that is for them. And just watching God navigate them through to where they have been in their careers, uh, location-wise. Um, and then just the injuries, you know, Stefan went through the ankle injuries. And, you know, even is he, after his rookie career, uh, contract, is he going to continue to play in the league? I mean, his ankle is just a mess. And he's had... Uh, multiple surgeries. My second son having two rods put in his shins. Is he going to be in the league? Can he do it? And this being a dream of theirs um, and just being prayer warriors about that and having people all over the world praying for us and us soliciting that and just watching God just bring them through all of that Mm. and look where they are right now. Mm. So good. Well, Sonia, you know, the, uh, again, distant lookers see all the glamour, glitz, and things, but there's lots of challenge in the midst of all that, too. So what for you has been the most challenging part that you had to really lean into God for to try to keep perspective and balance in the midst of two highly successful kids? Three, really. I think the biggest challenge in Thematically, I think it goes even back to my age 12 and, you know, the world and, you know, how do you balance being in the world and not being of the world, you know? And that's been the challenge for all of us individually, you know, because things just happen fast. You have lots of success and then you're like, everybody loves you and the world's just open to you to give you whatever you want. And, you know, it takes a lot to make sure that you stay connected with the Lord and you stay strong spiritually because you wake up one day and you're like, how did I get here? And we've done that. We've had our you know, mountaintops and our valleys with that, you know, and, but the beautiful thing that I can say about being a child of God and his faithfulness and his mercy and his grace is he never lets us get too far away Mm. from him. And, you know, especially if you really have that relationship with him, he's always there. And that's what I'm just so grateful for is just, again, having prayer warriors, my kids have their support groups and just people are constantly praying us up. And without that, this would have been, it's hard and it would have been, I can't even imagine. So just not becoming worldly again. Sonia, last question here. It's kind of a rapid fire, three things, three things here. So favorite verse, Romans 8, 28. God causes all things to work together. All things work together for the good of those called according to his purposes in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. Favorite book outside the Bible, just favorite book you've read. Wow. Man. (laughs) Um, 
I would have to say maybe, I don't know, was Alchemist, hmm. The Alchemist. Hmm. And uh, favorite Christian song? I have tons of them. Uh, I would say the Mary Mary song. Hmm. Come on. And it is the song, oh, and I just played the other day, but for some reason the title escapes me. Oh, gosh, where it's, she talks about people only see the clothes, the money, the this, yeah. but they don't see God me on my me. knees. God in me. That God in me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Awesome. I'm glad you shared that one. <laughs> so good. Well, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. Well, thank you for having me, and God bless your ministry and what you're doing. Um, I'll be listening. Yeah, amen. All, All right, right take care. Thank sister. you. You too. God bless you, sis. I'm so grateful for Sonia's honesty. Like I'm thinking about the awareness she had as a 12-year-old to go, I'm not ready to be baptized and be that obedient. <laughs> like, no, I still want what the world has to offer me more than what God has to offer me. What was cool is then so many years later to commit her life to Jesus and then continually be challenged as a family to live in the world, but not of the world. Like her yes to Jesus as an adult was an anchor. Like it didn't mean she'd never be faced with the temptation to love the things of this world, but it made it more clear to her that life with Jesus and walking in obedience really was the best choice and clearly continued to fuel her purpose in raising her kids and how she lives her life today. We really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Sonia Curry. Check out her book, Fierce Love, a memoir of family, faith, and purpose for more stories about raising kids and her lifelong devotion to education, family, and faith. And as always, to hear more from MyBridge, tune into your local MyBridge radio station, listen online with our app at home through your smart speaker or on mybridgeradio.net.